Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of America's Conservative Podcast. I am your host, Ed Densel. It's a beautiful day here in Madeira Beach, Florida. I saw this story from a few days ago that Casey Anthony, remember her? That was a case that happened in Florida. Something ha- I I did not, I have to admit that I did not follow the trial and all of that that went on. How long? It seems like it was yesterday. Was that five years ago? I have no, it seems like it's been since I moved to Florida. So it's within the last five years, but something happened to her daughter and did she drowned? And I don't remember the circumstances, but she was for a while and maybe still is one of the most hated women in America. And she was cited at an anti-Trump rally. And you always wonder, you know, what goes through people's heads, you know, if they're anti-Trump and they also follow the tabloids and they follow trials like this and they're out there losing their minds about Trump doing this and Trump doing that. And when I say that, I don't mean, I mean the not a structured disagreement like we try to have on this show, but people out there losing their minds and the riots and, and all of that. I wonder what they think when they find out that somebody maybe that they grew to hate like Casey Anthony thinks exactly like they do. I just wonder what goes on. And it's interesting to me because, I mean, Casey Anthony at this point is like is the female version of O.J. Simpson. Everybody thinks that they're both guilty and they both got away with something. Both were found innocent, although O.J. is in jail now, but for different reasons. And Casey Anthony is out there just hanging out. Who knows what she's doing now? Obviously going to anti-Trump rallies. And... That's always interesting to me. To me. I, I brought I've brought this up before when it has to do with movies. When liberals go to see movies and conservatives go to see movies, or watching DVDs, watching shows at home, I always bring up a, a movie like Die Hard. Both liberals and conservatives love that movie. That's the only way that movie can be as popular as it is, and it continues to be twenty years later. But I wonder if liberals like – if they look at John McClain and say, yeah, he's a good liberal. He's a good union cop. He's from New York City doing his job. Whereas, of course, then I think maybe conservatives look at John McClain and say, well, there's a gun owner and he's celebrating Christmas. You know, Everybody sees what they want to see in a character who is – not political. And granted, he's not a real person. He's just a guy, a character in a movie. But you have to believe that if it was determined, if it was revealed somehow, some way, that John McClane was a Democrat or was a Republican, was a liberal, was a conservative, that people who love that movie, their opinion of it, I'm sure, would change. And it's a perfect reason why if you want to make a decent movie and you want a lot of people to go see it, it's best to probably make it as non-political as possible. 
You know, and I, I've said this before that we as conservatives, we get too caught up in seeing conservative messages in movies. That's my opinion. In fact, we get to the point where we start seeing messages that are just good messages and then we define them as conservative. Whereas liberals will watch that same movie and love it and they'll see the same message and define it as liberal. Well, what is it? And you could go down the list, not just from Die Hard, but the Lethal Weapon with uh, Murtaugh and Riggs. What are their political affiliations? Now, we know in real life the way uh, Danny Glover and Mel Gibson lean, their, their political opinions, but their characters in the movie. Big movies with real people doing whatever they're doing. And I think that people do attach their own ideals, their own political ideas to those characters because that's just how we are. You know, I will admit as a conservative, when I watch Die Hard, I'm inclined to believe that there's a lot of conservative in John McClane, even though never mentioned in the movie. Not one thing is mentioned in the movie. He talks about going after dirt bags. He can't move to L.A. because he has all these dirt bags in... In New York City, these still, you know, backlog of dirt bags. And that sounds like a conservative, but it could be, I guess, maybe some liberal cops talk the same way in real life. So who knows? So it's just interesting to me how getting back to Casey Anthony and that she's this anti-Trump person. I'm wondering if there were liberals who followed that story, that trial, and grew to hate her. And we're thinking, yeah, she's probably some conservative. She probably just she's probably living this conservative life, but on the scene, she's doing all this stuff, just like your stupid conservatives out there, these hypocrites. And now they find out that she hates Trump too. I just wonder how that affects people. Um, I wonder how. I, I can tell you, for me, uh, I don't get too caught up in any of that stuff. I. I don't attach – I think that we as conservatives, we attach way too much stuff to, hey, did you hear this – did you hear that that uh, rock and roll star is a conservative? Did you hear that? Did you hear what this movie star was? He's really conservative. Can you believe that? I just – I'm telling you, I could just care less. I, co- I guess I couldn't care less. So now we know, in any case, with it, uh, Casey Anthony – is a is an not a never trumper. She's an anti trumper. She's one of these kooks that gets out in the streets. I hope that makes everybody feel better. Let's uh, move on to something else. Betsy DeVos gets through the Senate. Mike Pence had come down from his vice presidential perch to cast the deciding vote, making it fifty one fifty. Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski continued with their promise their the belief that the belief that was out there I should say that the two of them were not going to vote for her and they didn't and that's what made it a tie and Mike Pence had to break the tie the true uh, I guess power of Donald Trump and his people will be seen is Lisa Murkowski or Susan Collins up for re-election in 2018. I didn't look. 
this will be something interesting. We'll see if being that Donald Trump seems so revenge seems to be something that is a part of his life. And once again, outside of politics, too. I wonder if he and his people are going to feel like they need to exact some revenge on these two women as Republicans for not voting for Betsy DeVos. Now, I'm not going to say that wouldn't be unusual. Uh, Revenge is taking place all the time in politics, especially when senators don't vote the right way and representatives don't vote the right way and people get primaried. That happens quite a bit, sometimes successfully, sometimes not so much. But being that Donald Trump seems to think, and his people seem to think, and his supporters seem to think, that he is so powerful and he can sway so many people to his side, it will be interesting to see that in the states of Maine and Alaska, if these senators are up in 2018, maybe even 2020, if Donald Trump is going to run for re-election if these two have to pay for voting against Betsy DeVos. I think that it will, of course, be determined by how Trump's presidency goes. First of all, I think that will be the big decider in all of this. I'm going to guess for the record behind the scenes if maybe even – is Donald Trump even – tweeted anything about that? I don't even know. Has he called Susan Collins out? Has he called Lisa Murkowski out for not voting? Uh, for I, I have no idea. I really do have no idea. I, if he hasn't, I'm surprised by that. Maybe he's showing a little self-restraint. Or maybe somebody took his phone away. I, probably not. But it will determine, be determined, I think, a lot by how his administration goes. I think it will also be determined by the kind of job that Betsy DeVos is perceived to be doing as – and what happens in education the next two years, the next four years, as to whether these two senators get uh, – try to get primaried or they coast through right to the elections in their states. So there's quite a bit – there's going to be quite a bit of different uh, aspects to this before um, before I start thinking about whether Trump will take revenge. I think he's inclined to want to do that. I guess I think he really, really would have been inclined if Betsy DeVos had not been approved, I think. I, I think that had – more Republicans voted against her that you probably would have um, definitely would have seen him on Twitter. Maybe he's just happy that she got through. That's not like him, but maybe. So we'll see if he, they do try to primary those two as revenge for because this is the this is the closest vote so far. It's pretty much everybody else who was a, a pick of his has gotten through fairly easily. And this was right from the beginning. This was thought to be, this is going to be a close one on this. And the, and people were right. And, you know, and I have to admit, you, I don't live in Maine or Alaska, and I know those two women are not that conservative. 
but it is a little bit disgusting that two Republicans would do that. I mean, you have to, once again, you have to put it in the, in the context of Rex Tillerson, who got a medal from Vladimir Putin and just coasted through no problem, and then two Republicans vote against Betsy DeVos. You know, so there were, there were tons of Democrats who, senators who moved over and voted for Rex Tillerson despite their concerns about him. But then two Republicans defect and go with the Democrats regarding Betsy DeVos for the Secretary of Education. Once again, I, I think I said this last week, this is why we can't have nice things. So we'll just have to see how education goes. I, I don't know. Um, I think that she, resume-wise, seems like a, a good person for the job. Doesn't I don't think it I don't you know I, I've heard I've read all the arguments against her I I know them I know them I know that I know them you definitely need somebody like her in there you definitely can't put somebody in there who's been a part of public education their whole life can't do that if you want change whether you're a Republican or a Democrat in my estimation she probably is the most if we can call it this way, use the word, radical person to head up the Department of Education uh, ever. And when the Department of Education started, within my lifetime, I think, sometime. And so she, I think she is going to be the most radical one to lead the department. It's just how much of an effect is she going to have, how much is Donald Trump going to do, you know, uh, what kind of range is she going to be allowed to be used in what she believes? Of course, we have the whole bureaucracy of the education department, which I've told you. I just tell them all to stay home. My problem is it always comes back to Donald Trump. I'm not convinced that he necessarily hates public education. See, See, this is something that I don't know if we talk enough about it in the context of education in the United States. The reason that that public education has gone the way it has gone in the United States is because it's public education. Yes, the unions, the teachers' unions and all have, have obviously made it worse. Obviously. But I also believe that when you have education that is financed by government, whether it's at the local level, the state level, financed from the federal level, overseeing it and all these programs that have come out over the years, you're going to get the kind of education system that you have. You are never – when you're funding education with tax dollars – you're never going to get uh, an education system that speaks badly of government. Mm-hmm. That's, that's part of the problem. You're not going to, these people are not going to bite the hand that feeds them. They're going to say everything good about education because 
That's how they get financed. Teachers' salaries go up because of tax dollars. That comes from the government forcing, taking some money from some, some people by force and giving it to others. And as long as that's the case, the education these, these kids get is going to be pro-government. Not pro-liberty, not pro-freedom, not pro-constitution. It's going to be pro-government. Government can fix anything because look at us. We're running a government school here. See, it works. And on top of that, when government is in the business of something like education, it's then interesting that all other forms of education take a back seat. And that it's tougher for parents to educate their, so their, their kids themselves and religious schools and, and all of these things. And that's why uh, people who believe in homeschooling and school choice have to fight tooth and nail to make it happen. Because they aren't fighting just the standalone behemoth like if it was a company of education. You're fighting the government when you're doing this. That's the problem with education in this country. We, I, I realize the teachers' unions make it worse. And I realize all these other things um, make it worse. But it's always going to be bad if it's government education. Mm. And it's always going to be leftist. It's always going to be socialist. And as long as that's the case, you're always going to have kids coming out of these schools that are hell-bent on being liberals. That is not a coincidence. That is a symptom. That's meant to happen. That's what they want. The, the government schools in the United States are supposed to be liberal factories. And anything else, you know, anybody who gets, you know, any kid who gets out of that and isn't a liberal, the re- way that kid has done it has just been closing his mind off to mo- what most of his teachers are telling him or her. Mm-hmm. And he's just there just to grind it out because he has to, he or she has to be there. So that is what true reform. Anybody who talks to you, well, we're going to reform the public schools. And we're going to change them. And I just, I don't know how much that of an effect. If you're not going to institute uh, getting more, getting government more out of public education, which means dismantling what exists and taking away their virtual monopoly on education in this country, then it's all just a big waste of time. If you're just going to work on the unions or you're going to work on changing the the, the taxes and how they're paid and, and whatever, you know, trying to institute to uh, change the books. And I, I think that's just a big waste of time. What has to be defeated is the, the government monopoly of education in this country. Hopefully, Betsy DeVos, that's how I say her name. I, I have to admit, I have... I've heard her name mentioned a couple times. I think that I'm pronouncing it. To, I, I see D-E-V-O-S and I see DeVos. Devos? 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 Uh, in any case, that should be her main concern. 
The problem we have is that rarely is somebody put in charge of a department in the government and that person is hell-bent on making the department smaller or more efficient, taking less money. It's usually just the opposite, even if the person calls himself or herself conservative. And it really seldom has anything to do with a resume. They could have this very conservative resume. They get in there, and suddenly they're spending money like it's going out of style. And that's what's driven conservatives nuts about government for a long time. Uh, as I said yesterday... Uh, the key to all of this is the woman wrote at uh, the Federalist. The, the, the liberals fight so hard against Betsy DeVos because they know if they lose education, they lose everything. But what it means by losing education, it means losing that monopoly. Because there is no way that public education could continue if people had more choices. And if it was easier for parents to send their place, their kids elsewhere, if it was easier for parents who don't have their kids going to public schools to then not have to pay whatever part of their taxes are going to public schools. Now, see that you start talking like that and you will drive treat teachers, their teachers unions, a lot of education advocates in the country nuts. They just want the money. Even, you know, I mean, what's never, what should drive us nuts, and we should have been making this argument for a long time, is that why is, why is it that people who don't have kids, why do some of their taxes go toward local schools? Why? Why? Why do old people who don't have kids in school anymore, in public schools, why do their taxes go to kids? They go to schools. Why? Now you start having a conversation. You're going to drive. I'm telling you, you're going to drive a liberal. Now they're going to talk about civic duty, and they're going to talk about because an educated makes an educated populace makes uh, the community better and everything. You know what makes people better? A lot of things that aren't taught in public schools. And as I continue to say for you parents, the most dangerous place your kid is ever going to go every day is to a public school. Just remember that. But she's in there now. She's going to get to do. We'll see. We'll see what, uh, my, once again, my problem is is that uh, probably Donald Trump likes public schools a lot more than he lets on. So we'll see the range. We'll see how much he allows her to operate. We'll just have to see. Let's move on to something else. I have a question. You know, I wanted to start this after, after I mentioned Casey Anthony, uh, but it's just on the other page of my notes. Where's Sarah Palin? It's, it seems like every couple months I just have to ask this question. I, I remember going late in the campaign for Donald Trump. She kind of disappeared. And then it seems she popped up a little bit after he was elected, and then she's disappeared again. And now that he's been elected, he's been in, you know he got his inauguration. He's been in there for now what over two weeks. Has it been? It's, it's has it been over two weeks? I think it has. I don't know. I just I just the days just fly right by. I'm just 
so serious that the days just fly by. I think it's been over two weeks now. Uh, where's Sarah Palin? Have not you know the only reason I'm even I, I, she's been totally out of my mind. But I was on NationalReview.com, and there was a picture of her there for some reason. I was started thinking, have not heard from her. I'm guess she's been on. I guess she's been on Twitter. Maybe she's not come out. Has she spoken anywhere? Has she done an interview? Has she written a column? Has she made an appearance? Has she made a speech? About any of these, has she made a speech about Betsy DeVos? Has she made any comments regarding what's gone on so far? Has she voiced her support for Neil Gorsuch? Now, I'm so sure that she has, but given how energetically she campaigned for Donald Trump like last summer, and then it got into the fall, and once again, like I said, she kind of just disappeared. She sure did, for a woman who sure did push hard on this guy, since he's gotten into it, she's kind of, kind of disappeared. It's really strange. And see, this is why I wonder if everything is okay in her, her world. I wonder if she's had some medical issues. I don't know. I don't know. I don't follow her on Twitter anymore because I don't respect her anymore. But it's always suspicious to me when somebody supports somebody so hard and then when that person gets to the top, this person kind of disappears. I, I, of course, back in October said, well, maybe she's doing this because she wants to separate herself from Donald Trump, who at that time looked like he was going to lose. Of course, now that he won, you'd think that she'd be out there, but she's not. Just a a very strange... I'm wondering, is there anybody on the left who is like that? Who would be the figure on the left side of the aisle in the United States who would be like Sarah Palin? I'm going to have to think about that for a while. But it doesn't seem to me that they have anybody like that who kind of appears and is out there and pushing Democrats and then just kind of disappears. For long stretches. I guess they used to say that about Hillary Clinton, right? She, she'd vanish for a little while, but in her case, it was the suspicion that she was having some health problems. And she did have health issues a few years ago. And health issues, those problems, concerns uh, popped up during the campaign, including that video of her getting into that SUV and she needed assistance and which I'm guessing now, looking back at it, you could say maybe it did help hurt her. Maybe it did. Maybe there were some Democrat voters who stayed home or thought, you know what, I don't know if she's really able to do this. I don't know if she's being honest with us about her her health conditions. Maybe. Maybe the same thing is going on with Sarah Palin, and if that's the case, I, I hope that's not the case. But it sure is strange. I just had to get that in there. I I mentioned Casey Anthony to start the show, but I wanted to go into this, what I just talked about now, that she is a woman who like comes on, you know, all over the place for like two weeks and then boom, gone. Just completely gone. I don't know. 
Let's move on to something else. A woman who seems to never go away is Elizabeth Warren. She seems over the last, what would it be, six years to be everywhere. She knows uh, the liberals love her. The the media uh, companies love her. Uh, They follow her. They want to hear what she has to say. And she has provided some really interesting sound bites over the past years. And then her story about being partial Native American is a story that I think is going to continue to resonate and be the brunt of jokes for for a long time, anytime her name is mentioned. But what happened in the Senate, was it yesterday? Very, very interesting. And I wonder if people even realize that these kinds of rules exist. And I want to put it in the context of this. this. You go on YouTube, you can see multiple, multiple, multiple videos from countries all over the world that that have democracies with people fighting. Their representatives, their, their form of some legislative body, our House of Representatives, our Senate, in Philippines or South Korea or Eastern Europe, whatever it may be. And you can see all sorts of fights that break out uh, in those bodies. Whereas I don't know if there's ever been uh, a fist fight, anything like that in Congress and especially the Senate, even though we know that Senators and representatives on both sides of the aisle can go at each other pretty hard at times. I want you to keep thinking about that, but I'm going to go to the break. We'll talk to that about this after the break. You've been listening to America's Conservative Podcast. The voice of American conservatism. WRS Digital. Red State Talk Radio. And we're back at America's Conservative Podcast. I want to continue to talk about the Senate and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, and I preface this by talking about how you can go on YouTube and watch these videos of politicians politicians getting into fights in other countries. It's just not something you see in the United States. You just don't see it. Even though we know that in the United States, politics can be as divisive here as just as anywhere else in the world. And I think one of the reasons uh, that it doesn't happen here is what you saw yesterday, or if you heard about it, with regarding Elizabeth Warren. There are rules regarding the Senate. You know, if you ever watch C-SPAN, and I haven't watched C-SPAN for years, it does seem that each of the senators, despite them having differing political positions, certainly are fairly respectful to each other. And I think maybe that's one of the things that drives your average American nuts when they watch that. And they wish that maybe these, these people would be more combative. But I think that the reason it's not that way is because of these rules exist. Because Elizabeth Warren got shut down by Mitch McConnell yesterday for violating one of those rules. And one of those rules, I, I don't have it written out in front of me word for word, but you are not allowed to 
make fun of or criticize another senator. And the reason this popped up is Elizabeth Warren was going on this rant about Jeff Sessions. He's one of the few Trump nominees who still has yet to be confirmed. He's, of course, up for attorney general. And Elizabeth Warren was going on and on, and she brought up uh, you know how bl- something about how blacks should be worried, or you know, go once again taking something that Jeff Sessions said from thirty years ago that had nothing to do with what they're trying to make it out to be. And at that point, Mitch McConnell shows up on the Senate floor and shuts her down. Now, the reason, and he, you know, claimed that she broke this rule, and so she is now uh, barred from talking uh, about Jeff Sessions because she violated this rule. I think she was warned about it once and then continued, and that was that. Now, she probably could have gotten, she probably could have continued, but the problem is that even though Jeff Sessions is up for attorney general, he's another senator. See, I think that she could have continued if Jeff Sessions wasn't senator, if he had just been picked out, if he was like a governor of a state who was being picked to be attorney general, or if he was the attorney general of a state and was being picked the attorney general, she probably would have been allowed to continue. But being that Jeff Sessions is also a senator, at least till this point, he's a senator until he gets confirmed as attorney general, she's not allowed to talk to him <laughs> Talk about him in that fashion. It's really, really funny. Now, you wonder. Now, I don't believe that the Trump administration is really this smart at all. But you, I have to admit that it went through my mind that maybe one of the reasons that the Trump administration picked Jeff Sessions is because they knew of these rules and they knew that the criticism of Jeff Sessions can only get so nasty. I know that there are people trying to stop him. Outside groups, people in the Senate. Uh, of course, we know that Cory Booker, uh, you know, has you know what he did uh, to uh, try to stop him. But it seems that Elizabeth Warren went a little too far, and as the headline, I think it was HotAir.com, said, she got Mitch slapped instead of the other word that starts with a B. She got Mitch slapped. Which is really, really funny. And these rules, you just don't realize these rules exist until something like this happens. I, of course, I have no idea what the rules are for debate in other countries. I have no idea. In Canada, anywhere else, I have no idea. But maybe there is something uh, to these rules that keeps these things a little bit civil because I'd be inclined to to believe that you don't want – as much as people love arguing politics and disagreeing, and it seems like people love to do that more and more every year, you don't – wouldn't want that in a legislative body. You wouldn't want to see representatives and senators, congressmen, congresswomen, however words you want to use, doing that. Getting in people's faces, pointing their fingers at each other, and it just being one big shout fest. And that happens very, very seldomly in the United States, despite 
there being huge, vast differences between the right and the left in this country. I mean, I'd have to say what I think and know, I know about world politics is there the, 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 the divisions between the two major political ideologies in the United States are the biggest anywhere in the world. Yes, there are differences in England between the Labour Party and the, the, the Tory Party, and I know they have like the UKIP and some other smaller parties, but the two major parties in England, yes, they have their disagreements, but they are much more similar than conservatives and liberals in the United States and Republicans and Democrats in the United States. Huge, I mean... In England, you're never going to hear any discussion about getting rid of the national health care system in England. Both parties agree that it should exist. There's only a small, small minority that would like to get rid of it. You don't even have discussions like that over there. Where everything, it seems, on the table is on the table in the United States. And I think that that is the reason that it is, is because of our freedom of speech. You don't have that in England. You know, people tend to forget that in pretty much the rest of the world, there are no such things as freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the ability to plead the Fifth Amendment to avoid self-incrimination. Those are things bestowed upon the government that can be rescinded at any time. In our country, once again, what's the difference? We believe people are born with that stuff. All right, and it's government's job to protect those things, not to make them exist, but to protect that they continue to exist. And I think that's one of the reasons, once again, that we have such lively political discussion in the United States without our representatives coming to blows in contrast to the rest of the world. And it was on display, Elizabeth Warren... What she was doing, who knows? Uh, did she have to say what she said? Probably. I, I think that, um, you know, they're at a point on that side, and hey, and we get to that point on, on our side too, where senators and representatives feel like they have to say things that they really have to go crazy, or they're going to get hate mail from their supporters. Elizabeth Warren may be the best liberal in the country. But if she doesn't say everything that liberals think and doesn't act as crazy as your average liberal on the street, she's going to get back to her office and she's going to see probably get a bunch of emails. There's going to be a bunch of tweets. Why didn't you say this? Why did you go easy on Donald Trump? Why did you go on Jeff Sessions? Why didn't you call them a racist? Why didn't you call them a bigot? Why didn't you call them a homophobe? And I think that that's part of it. I don't think that's all of it. I think that she's motivated to do this anyway. But I think that she's spurred on to the point that it actually catches Mitch McConnell's ear because she feels like she needs to represent. Even though you and I both know that she has worked beside Jeff Sessions for how many years now? Six years. And probably, even though they don't think the same has probably had no problems with them otherwise. They've probably had lunch together. Maybe they ran each other at this, the, the congressional gym. They probably had to go to some functions to each other. 
uh, with, e- to, with each other. They probably had to go to some parties where they stood there and talked to each other. Once again, even though I know neither of them think the same, they probably told each other a few jokes, and then she gets up there and does that. See, that's what I, see, if it was me, and I could talk to her, and I say, well, if you really think that about him, why are you so nice to him? If you really believe that blacks have to be worried about Jeff Sessions, this is, I'm sure this isn't, you're just not finding this out last, this week. I think you're a smart woman. You've known this about his history for a while, haven't you? And she has to say yes. And then I would say, then why are you so nice to him? See, in my life, I'm not nice to racists. I don't hang out with racists. I don't hang out with homophobes and bigots and people like that. I just don't do it. Now, if I have to work with them, that's one thing. If I have to be there, and I've had to do that in my life a couple times, then that's the way it goes. But I always make sure that I'm not seen being nice to them. But I'm sure over the years, Elizabeth Warren has been more than nice to Jeff Sessions. Once again, even though I know ideologically they're different. So I'd ask her, why are you being so nice to him? You did the, you know, you're with this, that. I'd say the same thing to Cory Booker. Now all these people are coming out of the woodwork to say how bad of a guy Jeff Sessions is. Then why are you nice to him at all? If you believe he's a racist. And blacks have something to worry about with him being attorney general. It's, so, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's all just hype. But this is the way I think you have to handle these people. And uh, it's nice to see. Now, I know the left is completely, completely losing their mind over this, completely doing this. And that's kind of funny, but those rules exist. They're not instituted every so I guess there's multiple rules regarding... Um, regarding discourse in the Senate. And you have to remember there's something that is unique about the Senate. It is, used to be, what, the most deliberative body in that was called at one time, the most deliberative body in the world. Well, what makes our Senate so unique is that, once again, you have to remember the way our country is made up. It's not one big federalized country. Yes, France and all of these... Uh, countries like Germany, wherever else, they have divisions within them. But those divisions do not have the autonomy that the states do in the United States. That's why it's called the United States of America. It's not called America. It's the United States. States coming together to form a country. Remember that. Now, what's so interesting about our Senate in the United States is that no matter the state's population, each state is, is considered to be equal, which is very unique, very, very unique uh, in world governments. And that was something that the Founding Fathers – uh, it was kind of a, a little bit of a, of a compromise. You had – of course, you have the House – where, where California has the most seats because it has the greatest population. 
And so all those seats are portioned uh, according to population. That's the expression then in our electoral college. But the Senate, California, doesn't get to beat up on Rhode Island. Rhode Island gets two senators. California gets two senators. Wash, uh, Texas gets two senators. Uh, what would be another small state? Delaware gets two senators. Alaska gets two senators with its big, uh, all of its land. What's another small state? Uh, Connecticut gets its two senators. Everybody's equal. Nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody has power over anybody else. It's just the 50 states, their their senators working together for the benefit of the United States. And see, when you start thinking of like that, it's no wonder that these kinds of rules are in place. And, of course, me as, as, as a conservative, I would say that the cordialness and the kindness in, in the Senate has been undermined for years, specifically by Harry Reid. I don't know if Chuck Schumer is going to continue that, leading the, the Democrats in the Senate, I have no idea. But Harry Reid was a nasty, nasty guy. And this is, once again, why I always gave Mitch McConnell a break, because I wouldn't want to work with Harry Reid either. I wouldn't want to work with him either. So I'm going to give Mitch a break. That's exactly why I gave John Boehner a break, too. I wouldn't want that job. You know, that you get anybody to do it is a miracle, given what it takes and the lack of appreciation that comes along with it. So Mitch coming down there and taking care of Elizabeth Warren. I don't know, once again, is she putting herself on the map? Did she want to make sure that if she went back to her office... I mean, that's, once again, it's no different than what, the, the deputy attorney general, whoever that was, I even forget her name now, that, that uh, didn't want to enforce the travel ban. Was that what it was? Because we, we still don't have it. Of course, we still don't have an attorney general, but the acting attorney general, whatever her name was, I have to go back through my notes. Well, her getting fired or not doing what the administration wanted, that's a badge of courage for her. I mean, she's going to get a lot out of that. She made her career by opposing Donald Trump, and she knew it. She probably knew as soon as that happened, man, this is going to make my life. This is going to make my career right here. I'm not going to have to buy a steak dinner or being that I'm a vegetarian. She's probably a vegetarian. I'm not going to have to ever buy a salad anywhere in any establishment in my hometown because of just what I did. She's going to get speeches. She's going to get time all over the place for what she did. Well, Elizabeth Warren, probably the same thing. Although she's acting crazed about being silenced by Mitch McConnell. Down deep, she has to know, man, I just made my, I just, that's going to be great. If she's going to run for senator again in Massachusetts, what better way to market her campaign. I'm the only Democrat senator who got shut down by Mitch McConnell for saying too much, for speaking the truth. So Elizabeth Warren, she's going to be fine. She's acting crazed about it now, and her supporters are. But 
I think in the long run they're going to try to they'll be able to turn this into some good political fortune. They're going to be able to raise a lot of money uh, because of this. But I also understand that these rules have to be enforced, and I think that you have to do that to keep it from becoming just one big uh, WrestleMania. You know, they do they still have the WrestleManias? I have no idea, but. They used to have these WrestleManias where usually, of course, professional wrestling, it's just two guys in the ring. Well, they'd have tag teams. They'd have people coming out of the dressing room. Before you know it, you'd have like 15 guys in the ring, you know, beating on each other. Of course, it's all scripted and fake, but they're all in there. Hulk Hogan, Jimmy Superfly, I'm showing my age here, Bob Backlund, the Iron Sheik, all of them in there just beating each other up. Well, I think these rules are what keep the Senate from becoming that. You know, because nobody, you know, nobody wants to see guys in suits rolling around on, on, you know, a couple old white guys beating each other up on the floor of the Senate. You know, it's not, it's not good for uh, our republic. It's not good for the country. It's just, and, and the, the rest of the world, it doesn't want to see that. You know, if the Philip, if some politicians in the Philippines get into some fight and, and so nobody cares, the Philippines, I'm, I'm just going to offend everybody here. The Philippines don't matter. Nobody cares what goes on in South Korea. Nobody cares what goes on in Canada. I, I've been to Canada several times, like uh, people from Canada and everything, but the, what goes on in the Canadian parliament does not matter on the world stage at all. Not one bit. That's why we, the United States, we matter. We just have to be better. We have to be more mature. We have to be more modest. We have to be less arrogant, more self-aware. And it starts by our representatives and our senators and our congressmen Treating other with each other with respect, even though underneath they may despise each other. Of course, this is going to be a little difficult, given who we have as president now. Let's move on to something else, maybe one more thing. I guess there was this debate between Ted Cruz and Bernie Sanders regarding Obamacare. I did not watch one second of it. I heard it was coming up. And I missed it. I guess it was yesterday. Was it yesterday, the day before? I have no idea. Uh, but I was reading a, a summation of it and what happened. And on one hand, you had Bernie Sanders, who's not a fan of Obamacare. Of course, Bernie Sanders doesn't think that Obamacare goes far enough. He just wants uh, a Medicare, Medicare system for everybody, which is single payer. And then you had Ted Cruz up there, who is no fan of Obamacare, uh, but we know where you know and where Ted Cruz operates, and it's more along the lines of a free market system, and totally repeal it. I'm hoping that Ted Cruz doesn't get into the repair uh, mindset that it seems already several men and women in the in the Congress are trying to, you know that that's the kind of the new thought process. It's going and they're starting to look at the alleged political ramifications of changing Obamacare. And they don't know if they can put up with that if they want to get reelected two years from now, four years from now, six years from now. 
I'm hoping that Ted Cruz will not be one of those people, but who knows? But they had this debate, and as the person wrote, and once again, I didn't see it. I'm just going to uh, tell you what the, the – uh, was some one of the – was it Ed Morrissey or that Taylor guy? Ta- is it Taylor a guy or a woman? I have no idea. Taylor Milliard at Hot Air, who I think who was writing about it, that said that eventually the, the debate just came down to – who better what what ideology can better take care of your health capitalism or socialism now you and i all know that it's capitalism the problem the problem that we have is that too many people believe that it was capitalism is what we had before obamacare got started that's the problem and see this is the problem that i have with attaching any sort of conservatism to Donald Trump because people are going to get an inaccurate idea about what capitalism and conservatism is if they start using Donald Trump as the measuring stick for all of that. Just like you'll hear now liberals say, we can't use capitalism. Look what was going on with these insurance companies and everything. Well, yeah... That's not really what we as conservatives really want. Yes, I guess it was companies competing against each other for for uh, patients and clients, but I would I don't know how much competition there was. There were just choices. Or actually, insurance companies actually getting out there to try to insure the best people. That's not how. I would typify what was going on. But maybe this is a discussion uh, for tomorrow. We can talk a little bit more about this and how I think that people have gotten the wrong idea about what capitalism in medicine would look like. But for now, i got to go. You can go to edwarddensel.com. You can email me, edwarddensel at reagan.com. This show plays Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern on the prime channel at redstatetalkradio.com find it on podomatic and itunes please listen share and subscribe if you would twitter feed is usa podcast my other show unfound a new show will be coming out friday you can find it at podomatic and itunes and what else can we do that's about it you've been listening to america's conservative podcast